are you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War the Report, Report. Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night war, war Room, room. With your host, host. C-Dope. It's your boy Caesar Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike. C-G. Get your weight up. Strength and conditioning. Development. Ike Jones. Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you ready? Because we are now locked and loaded for the Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! War Eagle, everyone. War Eagle, War Eagle. Happy Wednesday to everybody. We hope you guys are having a great week. And thanks again for tuning in to the latest and greatest Wednesday Night War Room. Mike G is not here with us tonight, but we got Ike Jones here, B-Will here, and... We're ready to talk some football and hang out with the War Report family. Guys, yes, you already know what to do because you're doing it right now. Please be sure to smash that like button. Please be sure to drop a War Eagle in the comments. You're already doing that. We appreciate you. And guys, we appreciate you for being part of the community. But we want you, if you're invested, help us to grow our community. How can you do that? Start sharing this video so people will know on social media that we're out here. People are starting to look for Auburn content as we're getting closer to the season. And you could be the plug for those people to let them know that we're out here dropping great content. Just be sure to use hashtag get your weight up at us on Twitter. That will help us out a bunch. Listen, man, let's 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 get into it. We're already 10 minutes in. Let's just let's start talking Auburn football. AuburnSports.com released two separate articles where they were projecting the actual depth chart. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the depth chart. I'll, I'll fire off some names, but I want to be clear. This is projected. This isn't, this is not, maybe not even what we think. We just want to yeah. discuss because we're in partnership with AuburnSports.com. We want to look at who they have projected as starters. And we'll get to interject some names, some people. We'll get to talk about some surprises because there's been some surprises. Uh, we've done facts or not. We've done a lot of shows to where we gave our thoughts on who we thought would shine in fall camp, who would be starting or projected to start. And in some cases, I was off, right? Yeah. Some places, spot on. So we're going to talk about some of those surprises as we begin, we're going to start with the, the defensive side of the football. Here's what it looks like so far. According, this is the projected starting group. According to AuburnSports.com, here it is. So, we have, starting at, what's that, nose guard? Yeah. Big Tony Fair. Now, on the other side, defensive tackle, defensive end, you have Colby Wooden. No shocker there. They're projecting Marcus Harris to be starting on the other side of Tony Fair along the, the defensive line. Your edge guy is Derek Hall. Can't say I'm surprised. These next names I'm about to fire off, no surprises as well. Zacoby McClain, Owen Papo round out the linebackers. But we have at nickel, it's projected that Donovan Kaufman could be starting. So, cornerback. Roger McCreary, the other cornerback, Nehemiah Pritchett. At safety, we got Smoke Monday, and one of the biggest 
stories that have come out this week is that it's expected that by Darius Knighton will pretty much be starting opposite of Smoke game one going into the season. So this is what it looks like so far. What are some surprises? Uh, and and I'll go I'll go first with my surprise. My surprise, based off of these projections, we won't know until until after this second scrimmage. This will have a clearer picture as as Auburn will begin to slow down and begin to game prep for Akron. But a big surprise this fall camp has been Donovan Kaufman for me. I'll be honest. This kid has a high ceiling. I just didn't think that he would come in and make an immediate impact when you got guys like Darius Knighton. You already got guys like Tennyson. Tennyson. Right. You got those guys are already in the mix. So I wasn't expecting him to make such a big impact already. If anything, he I would expect him to have a crack at safety opposite smoke because that's an open position. We know Tennyson was working out there, but it was it was a possibility he could move back to nickel. But that's been my biggest surprise. But I'll, you know, throw it to the guys. Be will talk to me. What has been a a surprise so far? And what do you think about this list that that's the projected starter so far? Well, what's not a surprise is that we have two of of the three defensive linemen on that list are guys who weren't here in January, which I mean, of course, we know they were departures. Outside of Kobe. Yes, but it's two of the three. Yeah. Um, so Tony Fair and Marcus Harris, they were not on this team. They were not on this campus. And that was a need. We saw what last year went like. Mm-hmm. We all lament, you know, that that Truesdale felt the need to leave. But at the same time, they went and got what they had to get. And if they're projected ones right now, if that's who everybody's been talking about in camp, and it is, then that means they knew they needed to upgrade, and they did upgrade. And that's that's a positive sign. That that is that warms my heart to see that four of the of the twelve of the excuse me eleven defensive positions are guys who were not here yet, which means we knew we needed help. We went and got it, and we are good. Um, whether the, whether or not they're going to live up to the billing that we expect, the camp reports are saying yes. Those guys are balling. They are living up to the hype, and that's a really good thing. They had guys to beat out. Our secondary wasn't wanting. Our defensive line was, but our secondary was not. So for Knighton to be in the mix as starter, for um, Kaufman to already be in the mix starting, like that's, I'm impressed because now not only do we have quality starters, that means we instantly have depth because we had guys who were projected starters who aren't on that graphic. So right. Romello Heights, now he wasn't a projected starter, but he's not on that graphic. I've been hearing a lot about him. Um, we knew Tennyson was a projected starter. He's not on that graphic. Listen, if somebody goes down at any position, we are good. And that's the first time in a long time we've really been able to say that. That means I expect us to be rotating at defensive line. I expect all those guys to get rest. I expect uh, our production to not drop off when guys get rest. Um, we've heard a lot about Wooten and Cam Steiner. That's who I'm, I, I know Zacoby and Papo are extremely valuable. I know they're, they're go-getters. They're excellent tacklers. I wonder where, when do you take them off the field? Is what I'm wondering looking at this. I want Wooten to get some snaps. I want to see Steiner. When do you take those two off the field, though? That's what I think when I'm looking at at this graphic right now. But I don't think anything is concerning about that graphic. I'm looking to see if Marcus Harris really 
is the one I want to see the most play. Tony yeah. Fair seems to be a, a big deal maker, but he's gone. Like after this year, he's gone. We're going to get our one year rental from him, which is great. And he's gone. And likewise, Kaufman, Kaufman and Harris, because they're here for at least three more years, at least two, because as far as eligibility goes, if this defense lives up to the billing two years straight, then they could be gone. High draft prospects. And that's what we want for our players. But for those two guys, I want to see them ball out. Marcus Harris, Donovan Kaufman, to know that those positions are locked down and secure for two more seasons would, would be fantastic. So I'm, I'm super encouraged about that. Just to just to address before before I get your thoughts, Ike, uh, we got a few questions that I'll I'll address because it, it follows along lines of what we're talking about. People asking about JJ Pegues, what where Auburn Sports has him is, and this is what's kind of interesting to me. Assuming that this is how how it ends up is, you have you have Marcus Harris, you have Zacchaeus Walker. Number two behind him, and then you have JJ Begeese. And then you have the kid, I don't want to butcher his name, Tobeki, I think. Okoli, I think is his name. Uh you so JJ right now, and again, he could, I don't not sure which side he will be playing, but they have him behind Marcus Harris battling it out with Walker there. So to me, these are these aren't these are some young guys. Like these are all sophomores, so the competition is going to be real fierce throughout the year. That's going to be some quality depth there. So that's where they have him projected. He may not end. He could be second team. He could be third team. But right now, uh, the word it has it is that Marcus Harris has had an amazing fall camp, and he is projected to be the one of the guys starting opposite of Tony Fair. Or yeah. on the other side of Tony Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a question: Where's Drayshawn Miller? That's another surprise because he came in high expectations. Highly. Yeah, mm-hmm. high expectations. I mean, he he was he's supposed to be the rental that we have, and we'll talk about it some more. But it's been some serious competition in the secondary. Some mm-hmm. crazy competition in the secondary. And you got to get in where you fit in. And there's been some, some surprising names that are starting in or projected to start that I didn't think would be starting where they are. So it's created a ripple effect and a shakeup. I'm surprised to see where Simpson is. Yeah. Because he was he was actually was starting Simpson, last year. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a surprise not to step out. I don't not sure where, where Ike's points are, but Ike, talk to me, man. What what has been when we look at this list? We look at this list, just looking at some of the names mm-hmm. and where they're they're sl- slated to be once the depth chart actually gets released. What has been some of the biggest surprises for you in this fall camp when we look at the names here? Yeah, it's definitely Nehemiah Pritchett. And that is not a slight to Nehemiah Pritchett. Actually, there's two names specifically, Donovan Kaufman and Nehemiah Pritchett. Yeah. Um, I would have penciled in Ladarius Tennyson and um, probably Dreshawn Miller at those two spots without having seen them play. Now, um, Nehemiah Pritchett has played well every opportunity he's gotten in the game. So, right, let's, again, that's not a slight to him. I just thought, you know, a cornerback coming in from one of the best ranked secondaries in the nation last year was going to be a guy who's going to come straight in and be ready. But listen, he wasn't here in the spring. 
So maybe he's got some catching up that he needs to do with the scheme. I don't know what what you know shape he came in in. And, and Pritchett's been here through the whole spring offseason program, all of that. Um, and they're battling, right? When you hear um, reports of him talking about the battles, though, the guy who is getting a lot of the second team or splitting first team reps is not even Miller, right? They're talking right. a lot about um, what we were just talking about this. What's the kid's name? That uh, is getting oh uh, the other transfer. Uh, Ro Torrance. Ro Torrance is getting a lot of shine out there, and that's another like nobody's mentioned Ro Torrance yet, right? Like this defensive backfield is so ridiculously stacked. There's just I like wh- th- this is where I buy into the Mike G hype, right? How do you attack that defense? Where where do you see a weakness? I'll pull it back up again. Where do you see a weakness on this defense? At most, you could say, ah, Smoke Monday's out of place sometimes, and maybe somebody throws something past him. Okay, but, like, are are you going to have enough time for that to happen? Right. Like, I just don't know. And and this is not me. This is definitely not a sunshine pump. I haven't seen him play a single down yet. But when you look at this defense and you think about all of the guys who we have and the talent that we have, Roger McCrary was a consensus, you know, SEC monster last year right um you've got a guy again Drayshawn Miller who is right now a second string back up to McCrary third string if you're looking at him on the other side one of the best secondaries in the nation last year right you're looking at the defensive line you've got some monsters down there Tony Fair is coming in and he is ready to eat for like Marcus Hare is ready to eat I just don't know where you go against this defense. And people are worried about whether or not we're going to be stout against the run. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, we got some guys down there that's ready to do work. And Kaufman, uh, I think probably, again, the biggest surprise for me is Kaufman at the slot. I just, uh, you know, when Tennyson wasn't going to win the safety spot, I was like, okay, well, he's definitely going to be in that nickel spot. And, it, you know, it's looking like maybe he's going to be a backup there as well. But we can still go too deep at pretty mm-hmm. much every position and have a monster coming in. Yep. Uh, and it's one of the things C and I were talking about before we got on air. One of the things that I like most about this defense is uh-huh. how do you want to play football? We could play, right? Like when you go up against the Mississippi States that want to spread it out. All right, cool. We can throw a dime package out there and still have quality, six quality defensive backs that we're going to put out there mm-hmm. and some guys that can come downhill against the run if you decide you want to get cute. Yeah. Right. If you want to play big boy ball, OK, we can throw a, a four man front, five man front out there. No problem. We could do that, too. If you get into third and long situations and we want to bring multiple pass rushers in there. Cool. We got a pass rush package we can throw in there. All of these guys can go get after it. In we, other words, we, we can be multiple. Yeah, we can do. We can literally however you want to play football this year. We could play it that way. That's fine. We want to throw more linebackers out there because you, you know, fine. We can try a bunch of linebackers out there and we can, whatever you want to do, whatever smoke you want to bring, we can bring that smoke to you. It's the same way. And I don't see that being a problem for anybody being able to go out there and perform at a high level. If we are healthy this year, this defense is a problem for every single team that we face. If we aren't healthy, we're probably still going to be a problem because we're that deep. Right, right. Right. I do want to I do want us if we're going to lose some bodies, I'd rather be in the back seven as opposed to up front. I mean, we've already lost Jeremiah Wright. 
with an ACL, and yeah. we we had we lost a guy to the transfer portal, few guys off the transfer uh, to the transfer portal from the D line. So I like where we are on the line. We don't need any more attrition or injuries there. I uh, do have a question, and then this this sets up for a point I want to make is where the people are asking about Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. What's y'all's opinion on this? Do you think in I have my thoughts, but I want to hear from you, B. Will. Do you think Dylan Brooks will actually see the field this year? The more I look at not only that that projected starting lineup, but also hear the reports from Camp. Nah, he's probably not. He's probably not. He's not going to start this year for sure, because Derek Hall is the alpha in that room. He's the most experienced player as far as his time at Auburn. And well, Smokey is too, but Derek Hall has been has emerged as more of a leader. And he's saying everybody's playing up to, to expectations. He's a, a Culiota. We haven't talked about mm. this kid because yeah, nobody here saw him play. It's like we we could just sit here and rattle off names of people we haven't Absolutely. even mentioned yet. Who's already you know, been not, not to cut you off, but you know what's crazy about that? That means our special teams is gonna be beastly too. Yeah, because yeah. we have a lot of dudes there who are really starting uh players. We'll be starting players yeah. elsewhere who are going to be getting some special teams duty, and yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be we're going to be solid everywhere. But Dylan Brooks, so we got Aikuliota who is not on that chart. We've got um, Romello Height, who's mm. not on there either. Go ahead and name the name that people haven't been talking about, but this person has been making noise. Go ahead and mention them. Who who was that? Wait, you got to tell me. TD Moultrie. I forgot. TD Moultrie is stepping been, up. He's been making some noise. I, you know what? I have often, well, I didn't say it often because I don't like poo-pooing on everybody from the last administration, but I had my questions about Rodney Garner's ability to teach and develop the positions he was coaching. He got yeah. some studs, and those studs played like studs, but those studs were studs coming out of high school. When it came to raw diamond that needed some some curating, that needed some some hand coaching, it didn't turn out. Big Cat Bryant? What that Cole, look like? Nick Nick Cole. Nick Cole was fine. I think it was some off the field stuff with Nick Cole, which is why he just kind of didn't play after a while. But it it didn't always work out. Truesdale, we love him, but he didn't necessarily get better over the two years that he started here. Um, so well, excuse me, the year that he started and the two years that he played. So what we seem to be witnessing is the difference that detailed quality coaching can make. Um, that proper assessment can make. I don't know if it's as simple as TD should have always been, because he started off as a linebacker. He was an outside linebacker in um, in high school. So I thought that's what he was going to be doing. They converted him to defensive line. But maybe that wasn't it for him. Maybe he needed to rush the passer. Maybe he needed yeah. to be off the line initially and on the line in certain situations. But I think that's making a difference. That's paying dividends, getting the right guys to coach our defensive line is making a difference and how does Dylan Brooks get on the field? There's too much experience in front of him. You got uh, Derek Hall uh, Jr. Is he a redshirt junior or just a junior? I think he's just a junior. 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 Leo is at least a junior. Is he a junior or a sophomore? He's a sophomore. I don't don't want to make stuff up because I don't have all their classifications. I think he's a sophomore. TD is a straight. He's uh, either a sophomore or senior. Junior, one of the two. TD is a fifth year junior. junior uh, excuse me, a fifth year senior in in this. Uh, yeah, TD's he's a year. senior. He's a so, senior. Listen, we've got so many guys in front of him. Where does he now? Some some injuries happen. Yeah, he's on the field. I, I would think he's on the field, but 
like Ike was saying, we don't just have to have one of these edge guys in the game, man. We can have two. Yeah. I, I don't mean we could do anything, man. The the yeah. options here are are what's incredible. I'm, I'm I know Derek Mason is licking his chops along with everybody else in that defensive coaching room. Yeah, it's gonna be scary. We ain't talked about like Lee Hunter, man. Like it's just so yeah, many so names. That's bro. that's like, and, and see, this was Thomas Sanders' question right here. Mm-hmm. Who's behind Fair Marquise Burks, who mm-hmm. actually had a good spring? Uh, yeah, yeah, we haven't Burks. gotten into the full depth chart. You can go ahead and run that down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marquise Burks, who they're projecting to be behind Fair at the nose guard position, or the nose, yeah, the nose guard position, and behind him, Lee Hunter who's someone else who has a high ceiling, who's also been having a good fall camp. So we, we got bodies. They got bodies. I think behind Colby, you got Dre Butler, and I think mm. you have Caleb Johnson. Mm. Like, you like you have a strong too deep. And like yeah. you said, I, I, if we want to do a four-man, five-man front, you, you have a lot of possibilities. Uh, Joseph Ballard is asking, where does Jalen Simpson fall? Right now, he is projected to be behind Nehemiah Pritchett. Yeah, so he's that's in, where they have that's form. where they have him there. Actually, <laughs> it's Jalen is Jalen Simpson slash Roe Torrance, hmm. right? That's according to AuburnSports.com. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls out. But again, the, one of the biggest surprises in that room for me has been Drayshon Miller because he was kind of everyone's favor to at least be in the too deep conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right now it doesn't appear based on what Auburn's Auburn sports and they're clo- much closer to it than we are. Doesn't look like it looks like he's fighting to even be in the too deep. That's just how yeah. crazy the depth is in the in in the secondary. So it's it I'm excited about this defense, man. And l- yeah. listen, as Mike G says, shutouts, right? I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know if that's gonna be a thing, but I'm. I am excited about third down defense. I yeah. am excited about us winning first and second down and being able to pin our ears back. I, I think one of the biggest things I'm excited about is, I you can talk about this. I don't think based off of what we've been hearing and who we got when we look at that list, I think we'll be able to bring pressure without having to bring guys from the secondary and from the second level to actually that's, bring pressure. We can actually you know drop crazy? guys back in coverage. That's, that's, that's what's crazy about it is like, uh, you know, there, and we talked about um, the performance of the offense in the first scrimmage and how they were stress testing and, and they're really like bring, like they were bringing blitzes consistently. Mm-hmm. Right. So they clearly have some ridiculous blitz packages as well. So like, if they want to just, Load up yeah. and send a bunch of guys to you. I think Derek Mason and company, you know, shout out to Zach Etheridge, you know, back there coaching those guys up. I think they're comfortable leaving our guys on an island, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, all right, cool. We're going to heat you up often. Mm-hmm. Throw, throw gotta, into the hornet's nest back there if you want to. Yeah. And you got to remember, we have three defensive coordinators on this staff. Yep. yep. All of these guys got ideas, and just like the offensive side of the ball, they have put together Auburn's new defense. So there's a lot of ideas in that room, a lot of talent to, to play around with. They've they've been mad scientists in the offseason building this defense. Yeah, I'm just excited about this. I'm really excited about this side of the side of the ball. I really am hoping that 
I'm really hoping that we don't waste this defense. Mm. Mm. Like 2019. Like this, mm. this, and again, I don't know how many more years, how many more seasons we're gonna have of Derek Mason. Right. Let's get our good use of him while he's here, is all I'm saying. Yeah, because he's got I think we've got two at the most. Because he said he was headed to the NFL. And I don't think he has anything to prove to people on the NFL level about his coaching ability. He came here for a reason, whatever that specific reason was, whether it was to prove his chops so he could get a better, another head coaching job in college, or um, I, I don't know what what connection he had. I, apparently, he's like-minded with Brian Harson about how a football team should be run. So either way, we come out really good. And the way we come out, I think best case is that we have a monstrous year this year and next year while he's here. And then he can hand over a functioning defense that is churning out NFL players to one of these other guys who has already been a defensive coordinator and maintain that momentum. Now, he's a personality that you don't want to lose. And that's a loss no matter no matter how you cut it, is that he is a guy that everybody seems to want to go to bat for. And you that's great. I, X's and O's are one thing, but personalities are what get kids on campus over other locations outside of X's and O's. And that's why we've been doing so well along the defensive line. Um, Coach yeah. Easton, he's he's a, a great personality yeah, for, for these sure. guys who are going to play because he's played in the NFL and he's coached in the NFL and he knows how to relate. We saw him coaching that the first time we heard him that he got hired. He was coaching Pro Bowl, excuse me, not a Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl. He was coaching mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl guys. It's like, man, look at this. When, when did we didn't see our last D-line coach coach the guys necessarily, but this is what you know is going to bring kids in, and we thought it was going to work. We had questions about his recruitment ability. All those questions are answered as far as I'm concerned. Those are two guys that I'm, I'm glad we have. We need to have great years while they're here so we can be, again, known for defense where it doesn't matter that Derek Mason isn't here anymore. Look what we did. Look what we already got on the shelf here. We, we got the uh-huh. same minds here who were rubbing elbows with Derek Mason, so they know what to do with this talent. You need to come on back, get on board, and we'll know what to do with you and get you to the league. So hopefully, this defense can be as, as good as we think it's going to be so we can get that momentum going and maintain it. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Building Rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. I got a question for you, uh, Ike, and, and this this comes courtesy of uh, Lawrence Robson. Shout out to you, my guy. Y'all remember mm-hmm. what Mason did with Zach Cunningham at Vanderbilt. What do you think he does with Papo and Zacoby? Yeah, um, you know, I think that's a great thing. Like, Zach Cunningham was was special, right? And um, yeah. I think we have two special talents as well in our uh, linebacking system. I don't know who the linebacker coach was when when Zach was there at Vanderbilt, but he definitely was a different kind of breed. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what we do with those guys. I, I mean, Zacoby and, and Papo were already, if you look at, I forgot who recently put out like their top five linebackers in the conference, both of them were there, right? We had uh-huh. both in the top five. Now, Zacoby was number two. They were the top, I think it was the top five tacklers last year in the yeah, SEC. I, I, don't, I don't know how Zacoby was number two on that list, considering he was the best tackler in the, the nation. Uh, you know, you have the 
highest returning tackler in the nation coming back. I would think he would be number one on your linebacker list, but whatever. It's cool. Um, he would think he was number two on that list, and um, and uh, Papa was number four in the top oh. five. So we have two of the top five, according to whomever out there, uh, linebackers returning with a brand new defense. They've, they've already been raving about just the run fits that you're going to see with this mm-hmm. defense. Um, yeah. If you're going to have them be able to be downhill against the run, we've talked about how downhill the running game is going to be. Um, linebackers coming downhill, you know, man, it's just, just really K.J. Britt, man. Every time I say downhill and linebacker, I think about K.J. Britt and mm-hmm. how he wasn't there for us last year and how much he would definitely oh, keep this defense man. this year. That hurt us. Um, but yeah, I'm man, looking listen, forward to he, it, he man. Could, he, he probably would have earned him a f- some few more millions had he stayed. For but sure. Yeah, for sure. What on the bridge? Somebody said it was Cole Kublik who put that list out. So that so he was listen, he's a former Auburn guy. So you know he's trying to be as impartial as possible. So if it's a Kobe is number two on that list, um man, just I uh, just listen. Listen. Gotta, and it, I, we're not even talking about some of these other guys that are out there, man. Like the, these Cam Riley's Channel Wooten. Like that's yeah. to, that's the guy I want to see what they do with because he has a lot to prove coming back. So he knows I, I'm he knows it. I'm curious to see how he because I think I think Zacoby, barring some type of meltdown this year of epic proportions, I think we know what we're gonna get out of Papo and McLean, right? I'm yeah. curious to see behind those guys who shines whether it's Steiner or Cam Riley or Wooten, like I'm, I'm curious to see what who's the next group, what's the future going to look like. I hope we get a glimpse of what the future looks like at the linebacker position at Auburn. So, good times, man. I'm, I'm excited about, I'm excited about this, this side of the ball. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be pitching shutouts like Mike G said, but <laughs> I do expect our defense to be very stingy, and I expect us to improve on third down. Uh, basically improving what we did last year. So, man, it's just good to hang with with the Warpool family, man. The 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 family is here in full effect, man. And how many how many days are we? How many uh, days are we? 18, is it something like that. Eighteen days. Seventeen. 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 Wow. That's hey, crazy. listen, I appreciate that very much, Blake, coming on board man, with the family. Thank you know you, what I'm man. saying? This is this is what this is why y'all are family, man. The See, family y'all? provides, man. <laughs> you know man, Casey, get my weight down. Well, guys, let's get to let's get to the latter half of of the show. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the offensive side of the ball again. These this are is what everybody came to talk about. For this real, is what we. Honest. This is the this is the main. That was the <laughs> undercard. We spent time talking about yeah. the undercard, right? This is this is the headline event here. This is the offensive side of the ball. So, drum roll. Here it is. Let's just start with the backfield. You got Bo Nix. No shocker there. Tank Bigsby. No shocker there. But everything else has been quite interesting this fall, and everything else has been up in the air. One of the receiver positions, of course, is, or receiver one is Demetrius Robertson. Behind him, I'll go ahead and list who who AuburnSports.com has behind him, is Zevion Capers, Shedrick Jackson, behind Demetrius Robinson. My man, Shedrick Jackson, baby. <laughs> now, opposite of him, 
we have Elijah Canyon. Behind Elijah Canyon is Malcolm Johnson. That's Mike G's guy That's there. Mike G's guy, yeah. And behind him, a name that I have not heard much from, but came in with some fanfare when he came to Auburn, J.J. Evans. Mm. Mm. Okay. Has, has anyone heard much? There's been a, he's been on he's been on the milk carton as far as I'm concerned. But that's he's a name there. that I was hoping to hear a lot more from. But I'm glad you know he's he's moving his way up the depth chart. Okay. Let's see. We'll see. Now we got for slot here number one Javaris Johnson. Behind him, the number two guy projected is Kobe Hudson, mm. and behind him is Tavares Dawson. Yeah, who's been making a lot of noise in in this fall. So, and he could, I mean, if we were doing what's the trends, you know, they show the arrows of who's trending up or down. Mm -hmm. I would put an up arrow by him because he's probably trending upward based on what we've been hearing from him. Now, the line is where, well, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about tight end. Mm hmm. Now I'm surprised this one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We will, we'll get to John Samuel Schenker. He's the projected tight end in this offense. But we'll talk more about that. Now, mm-hmm. left tackle, you have Austin Troxel. That's not a shock there. But behind him, you have Alec Jackson, Killian mm. Zarier. And at left guard, now here's a surprise. This is a surprise for me. For sure. Because I, I was thinking more so Tayshawn Manning, Right. So we got at left guard, we have Jaleel Irving, Irvin, followed by Tayshawn Manning, followed by Tate Johnson. Now, the other biggest surprise this fall has been center where Nick Brahms, with all of the movement going on on the offensive line, he has been the one constant in this on this line. The guy that we have talked about in film review, we've shown the middle line, the Mike linebacker for Georgia running right by him. It's a new year, new season. This guy appears to be the center, starting center for Auburn. So congrats to him. Congrats to him. Behind him, they also have Jaleel Irvin. Mm -hmm. And behind Jaleel Irvin is Avery Jernigan. At right guard, it looks like this is where this guy may wind up being is Brandon Council. Of course, he's been moved around at right tackle. We've I think I'm we've heard this week he's been getting some work at left guard. But Auburn Sports feels as though he will be the starting right guard for Auburn this season. Behind him is Keandre Jones, who actually got some work this week. I know yeah, we, it is. we pulled out we pulled out an APV for him because we hadn't heard his name called much, but if he's injured or whatever, he's back. He's back in the rotation, but he's number two behind Brandon Council. Is that is in fact Keandre Jones is who stepped up in Council's absence when he was injured. I believe is that right, guys? Does that sound about right? Yes, that's correct. Keandre okay. Jones was the start was starter after Council got hurt. Yeah, behind Jones is Cameron Stutz and the true freshman Garner Langlow. At right tackle, you have Brodarius Ham, Brendan Coffey, and the true freshman Colby Smith. So, and I didn't mention the tight ends, but behind Shanker, you have Luke Deal. Number three, you have Landon King. Mm. Number behind him, you have Tyler Fromm. Mm. 
And behind him, you have Brandon Frazier, which wow shocks the crap out of me yeah. because I was I was expecting him to be a little bit further up the depth chart than five. Uh, and I know wow. you was big on Fromm, right? Right? I think I was. I was so big on Fromm again. These are projections, so yeah. so we we don't know what it's going to look like after the second scrimmage and after Harson and the uh, coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball makes the determinations. But starting with you, Ike. As you look at this list, man, we you, we've already heard the grunts and the and the and the and the expressions from you. What has been the biggest surprise from this side of the ball? It's definitely tight end. Like I get it, Shanker is the most experienced of them. I just, I you know, so let's be clear about a couple of things. Number one, this is not what the coaches have put out, right? This is people speculating sure. about who they think are going to be at different positions. Number one, number two. We still have a whole other scrimmage to go. Number three, um, that doesn't mean that just because a person starts or is slotted in at a specific space that they're going to get the most reps. You know, we're going to be having a lot of different formations. We're likely going to be in 21, 22, 12. We're going to be in a lot of different types of formations um, and a lot of people in a bunch of different places. Shanker is a very multiple type of player, right? He can step in and play fullback. He can be, you know, a, a down lineman tight end. They had him split out wide some last year. So he, we know he can catch and block. Um, and he seems to be very disciplined. I'm still surprised that he is slotted as uh, the number one by the projections right now from Auburn Sports. So, and, and then I guess really as you just go downstream in the tight end room, I'm just Landon King being so high, I'm shocked at. Yeah, like that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just, I, there's a lot of things about that. I'm just like, wow. The other thing that I think I am surprised a little bit about is Jaleel Irvin at the left guard, right? Like, I just, I didn't think that's where he was going to be. I just figured he was going to be our backup center, not necessarily at the guard position as a starter. Manning was the one that I thought was going to win that spot and still could win it, but we will see what com- what shakes out of that. Everything else is pretty much as expected. Demetrius Robertson, uh, uh, all reports say that he has come in, picked up the offense really quickly, and is out there doing work. He's got good chemistry with Bo already, um, which is surprising. The guy who's been here for the least amount of time has the most chemistry with Bo. Um, right. But maybe that's just because mm-hmm. he kind of understands what he needs to do, and Bo and he are seeing the same thing. Right. So like I understand where we're supposed to be. You understand where we're supposed to be. So he's become a target um, that he he trusts. And also, you know, we don't know who are responsible for the drops when people are like, you know, the wide receivers are still dropping passes. Maybe he's just not dropping it. So Bo's like, I'm gonna keep feeding you. So yeah. um, very interested to see uh, kind of how the wide receiver room shakes out, too. Very happy to see J.J. Evans. J.J. Evans is somebody who I was super high on. Coming into the year this year, I thought this was going to be a breakout year for him. He's a big body receiver, a good possession guy. We lost our best possession receiver last year. So I'm thinking J.J. Evans is going to come in here. He's going to be that guy who can just box out and go get something for the quarterback. Right. Um, And so hopefully that will prove to be the case. You know, again, I said this about the defense. I'll say it about the offense. We have the opportunity to be and we've heard this many times in reference to Brian Harson's offense multiple because we have so many guys who can fit in so many ways. And if we want to go four wide and we want to be able to spread it out, we could do that. If we want to play, you know, big boy ball and we want to bring in two tight ends and a, and a fullback, we've got the personnel to be able to do that. 
however you want to play football, we could play football that way this year. Um, and that's the thing I think I'm most excited about. If this offensive line is serviceable, we should be monstrous. Yeah. Talk to me, B. What are some are there some surprises for you or what 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 do you what do you make of this projection? I, I don't make much of this projection because I think O line is completely a toss up. I, I think they're just trying to get guys in some real reps and scrimmages to see how they respond in those positions, not just in those positions, but with the defense having their number already. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're if you're running base and defense is getting exotic, then yeah, that's what you're going to be seeing in the SEC. That's what you're going to be seeing when we play our rivals. So what do you look like? And they're they're stress as Ike said, they're stress testing everything. And they need to stress test everything because we don't really know what we got, man. We know we looked all right for a few games last season and then everybody started dropping like flies. So they've got to figure this out. Um, we know that we are deficient, a guy who is as athletic and strong and powerful as is required to be a great left tackle. We don't have that guy. So they've got to figure out who can who can the best guy for the job over there. We heard some positive things about Austin Troxel and Camp. And then according to sources, you know, who watched it at the scrimmage, well, not not so much. So much for that. So they they've got to figure it out, man. They and it's not that it's gonna be a perfect fix. It's going to be the best fix that we have for the season because we're locked in. There aren't any more offensive linemen in the portal. Portal's close. I mean, not for everybody. You know, there's a QB from Kentucky in there, but um, <laughs> the portal's pretty much done, man. So this is what we got. And they've got to find a way to work with it. I, I actually don't expect to have this many wide receivers on the field because I think they're going to be going too tight in sets often. I would expect it often. Definitely. And that's the other thing that surprised me, like Ike, is – I see why you got John Samuel Shanker as your first tight end. He's the most experienced tight end on our roster. However, Frazier was supposed to be like the next big thing. He was supposed was to be guy. the prototypical NFL tight end. And I don't know why we haven't heard more about him in camp, in fall camp. I don't know why we haven't seen that much of him in fall camp. Um, is it an injury? Is he, you know, in the doghouse for some reason? I, I don't know. But I was hoping his physical uh, tool set would have him kind of the front runner for that starting position, or at the very least, number two. And Landon King starting higher than number three is just fodder because he's too small to be the tight end in a power uh, run blocking scheme. He just is. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's he's barely over 200 pounds, if that. So that can't be who he he's he's I don't I don't give any credence to that. This is just speculation based on what they've seen. But I also think that what the coaches are doing, knowing the the least about the offense, I think they've got the least amount of solid information about the roster on the offensive side of the ball. So they're trying everything. And that's why we can't take any projected lineups too seriously at this point. We can't take scrimmages too seriously as far as who's starting where. And with ones or twos or threes, I don't think much of that matters. I think it matters if you're in that position, how do you perform? Not, not, does that mean that, you know, hey, you came in with the third team? It don't matter. Hey, you can work yourself up to two. We've got a, a walk on running back that's been getting some buzz and getting carries and scrimmages. So I, I don't put any, any stock. I, I'm not worried about anything yet. I trust the coaches to work it out. Um, I like the stories of who's been flashing. Like Elijah Canyon was working with the twos in scrimmage, apparently. And here he is on the projected, you know, starter. So I think they know who's who. 
but they are testing them to make sure they know who's who. And that's important. And and I would much rather it be that than them just giving these spots away to people like what's probably going on in the past. So I'm, I'm not discouraged yet. Two more scrimmages, two more. The second one, this next one's going to be huge. Do you think, Ike, do you think that there's a correlation with this projection with the tight ends in terms of who your best blockers are when it comes to Schenker and Luke Deal? Um, it's been talked heavy about how Luke Deal is is known for his blocking. We know what Schenker, Schenker's like a utility guy. He can kind of do it all. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's a correlation there given who the tight ends coach is and the fact that he actually was the O-line guy right. at Boise a year ago. And do you think there's a heavy emphasis on those guys' ability to be able to block and create additional gaps for Tank, Shivers, and whatnot? Listen, more more of a priority over what you're able to do in open space as a tight end catching the ball. I, I think that that is fair specifically because we know that our tackle position is something that people have definitely been maligned, right? Like, we know... Yeah. Speed rush is going to be a thing that we're going to have to deal with. So you're going to want someone to be able to help out um, on those speed rushers. But, you know, Shanker being multiple is probably the thing that has pushed him up that um, up the the, the starting lineup um, in most people's eyes, because I can keep him in the game. Doesn't matter if we're going run heavy or not. Like he can be in there. I can again, I can I can motion him to the backfield and we can go with the two back set and have him be a lead blocker. I can do a lot of different things with him in the game. Um, and if he's out there, he can still catch the ball and he's athletic enough to turn it up. So I do think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, all of the talks about how downhill we're going to be against the run, you're going to want to have people who can be out there and block. Um, so definitely think that that's a part of it. That damn Auburn fan. Thank you, sir. For the super chat is the, is that walk on name? Sean Jackson, uh, dudes, a beast. Now, According to the report, I added him to my notes, but he wasn't on AuburnSports.com's list of projected. They only had, and I already think I may have uh, mentioned it, but Tank Bigsby, of course, number one. Of course, number two is Sean Shivers. Number three, Jarquez Hunter, who I'm expecting to hear something from this upcoming scrimmage because we heard nothing of him. I don't even know if he participated. But behind him is Jordan Ingram, and then I had Sean Jackson, who's the walk-on kid from uh, Trustville in Birmingham. I've been hearing good things about him. Yeah. And I think they're going to keep him around just because you need a good four or five running backs, especially for what Auburn, mm. what Auburn in- intends to do this year. Uh, I expect him to be around there somewhere. It's, it's no telling who's going to go down. It's no telling who's going to, you know, who can sit out. But if Sean Jackson is as good in, oh, I'm hearing from here, Wesley Hilson says Hunter is in protocol. Okay, good looking mm-hmm. out. So that's that's why we haven't heard from him. But mm-hmm. if, if, Sean, if Sean Jackson is as good as advertised, you got five quality running backs that should someone go down, you're good. And yeah. you got to remember how important that is because, what, earlier this year? We were like, who's the next running? Where's the next running back coming from? It was just two guys, right? And we was nervous about Shivers at one point. So for us to go from two to five like that, uh, and it appears to be, and and Ingram is actually doing uh, a good job this fall, this fall camp. So I'm happy for him because he was such an unknown. We had nothing on him because 
he didn't see the field at at Central. Was it Central Michigan? I yeah, believe. Central yeah, Michigan. Central Michigan. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, to hear the good things makes me happy about that position because I'll be honest with you, I will be surprised if we get through the season and Tank and Shivers are healthy from start to finish. Yeah. Now, I want that to be the case, especially sure. in, in, in Bigsby's case, but we know how brutal it is to get through the SEC. I mean, taking Shivers didn't do it last year, right? So it, we don't have anything to go on that they will. So to, to see that they've got their bodies behind them, capable bodies, is encouraging. War Rapport family, it's your boy Mike G. The 2021 season is almost here, and we're cooking up a bunch of amazing new content for our listeners. New segments, new giveaways, new interviews, and new game day experiences. But you have to be an insider to get in on the action. So head on over to YouTube and search for The War Report. When you see the channel, look for the join button. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss what we've got coming. So keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and get your weight up by becoming an insider for the 2021 Auburn football season. Let's go, baby. Now let's get back to it. I didn't know if you guys had any anything more to add about, about the offensive side. Well, you had anything, B-Will? I got to add, since Mike G's not here, I want to talk about the quarterback there. Um, you know, Come what on. that depth chart is going to look like because you know Mike G was here, we'd be talking about the chances of seeing somebody else at QB. But... I mean, Bo being the projected starter in the surprise, we all heard what the reports were about his performance on the scrimmage. <sighs> One thing that Ike brought up on Sunday's show was how Harson complimented Demetrius Davis unprompted. Like that, that's a really big deal. Harson is not a he doesn't seem to be. Not let me talk like like I've been at Boise for ten years. But but Harson seems to be straight to the point. When he wants to say something, he will say it. He he's not dancing around anything. So he's not really kind of playing politics as far as trying not to you know place blame or he doesn't name names. He says we need to play better at that position. But he jumped out there to compliment Demetrius Davis when he was not asked about Demetrius Davis. Yeah, and. That is a beautiful sign that that is the guy who impressed him the most. And I would not be surprised now. Again, we don't want to put too much stock into the first scrimmage for the reasons that we mentioned, which is they're trying to figure it out at O-line. When you when you don't know what you got at O-line and wide receiver, then whatever the QB performance is, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But we got another scrimmage coming up. And I think... There should be one more after that before they officially start game week prep for Akron. So, all I'm saying is if we get a, a repeat in scrimmage two and three, after the O-line and wide receivers have have had some time to gel, and now, well, hey, they did what they were supposed to do, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I used to think, hey, if Bo just plays all right, he'll make it through the season as a starter. I don't think that anymore. I, I think that's the time. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Does Bo get all of the uh, first-team snaps in this upcoming scrimmage on Friday? Or will TJ get some of the first-team snaps? I think Bo goes out there first, but will TJ get some of the first-team snaps? And if you are going to truly evaluate any system, then you have to... 
take one piece out to see how it functions without that piece, to know how much effectiveness do you lose if I just change this one thing out. If the coaches are being objective about their evaluations, then they've got to give another guy first-team reps with the first-team O-line against the first-team defense. You have to, to know what you've got. Um, I, I have more faith that this coaching staff will be objective than I've ever had in, in, in the last coaching staff. So I do expect to see Finley and maybe even Demetrius Davis getting reps behind the first-team offensive line with the first-team wide receivers against the first-team defense. I fully expect that. So we can have some control comparisons. Here's how you did with in, in there. Yeah, remember, they're controlling the play calling. I'm going to call something that I know the defense is going to respond to this way just to put you in a situation where you have to make this read and make the proper throw. And if one guy can do it and another guy can't, you got some really good information about how you need to proceed. So um, I do. I, I'm, hope, I'm hoping they do that just because we want the best guy. Like that should be the, the number one reason. We'll see. But I, I think they're going to give those guys a real shot. We got to walk on getting getting reps in, in a scrimmage. Guys are going to get their their chances. And so I really think that's going to happen. What you think, Ike? If the question is whether someone besides Bo will get first team reps, yeah. I think that is completely up in Bo's hands. If he goes out there and plays well, he'll probably continue to get the reps. If he goes out there and he throws a pick or an almost pick or he seems like he's out of sync with guys, I think they're going to treat it like a, a game um, and say, hey, you keep do- doing well. Like It's, it's going to be like a pitcher, right? You, you're not you're not doing yeah. well right now. I'm putting I'm putting the reliever in. Right. I think that that's how they're going to start treating these uh, scrimmages to, to let them know. You don't have a lot of time anymore to figure this out. Right. We've only got so many more times that we can go out here and practice like this before it's real. And if you're still making the same mistakes. There's a guy behind you who can do it. All that said, I still think, as of today, Bo Nix is the starting quarterback for Auburn University going into game one. I think that he is going to have to have not just bad I mean, it's going to have to be disastrous practices for him to lose his starting job. I just don't, I don't see it happening. Um, There's just not, there's no evidence to suggest, you know, as much as, you know, we talk about, Bo Nix and his deficiencies. I just, I still think that Bo is a super talented quarterback and he's a gamer and he doesn't really fear um, the spotlight. Um, now he, he may be a little shy, gun shy against the rush, but he doesn't fear the spotlight. And so I don't see Akron being the game that you supplants him. Right. They're going right. to go out there and they're going right. to dominate Akron. He's going to play well right. in game one. Um, and he's going to look like some kind of all SEC candidate probably. Yeah. Um, but game three, I'm still, you, you have to circle the Penn state game and say, if, he, if he's it. not looking good by then, we'll see. Yeah. Zach Blackerby of locked on Auburn. Mike G and I were guests on his, uh, latest episode that was released today and was asked, should Bo be worried? And I said, yes. Simply because, and and I'll add on to more of what I said, is that alluding to what you said, Will, things are different now. Things are different now. I don't think he should be trembling and and not confident in himself. But just know that Gus is gone. And you have a true number two guy behind you. 
who has every intention of wanting to be the number one guy, right? If if the same conditions were still here and Grant Lloyd was the number two guy and Gus was here, you would have nothing to worry about. Yeah. You could you could have a bad practice, you can have a bad game. But things have I have to believe that with Harson, things have changed. And this is a guy who's talked about having competition at every position. So to Ike's point, the ball the, the ball is in your hands, yeah. figuratively and literally. If you go out and perform, doesn't matter what Davis does. Doesn't really matter <laughs> what TJ does if you're right. doing your job. Right. But if you and look, that's all he's he, got to do, bro. Like it, it's your and I know people hate when I say this. Mike G hated when I said this yeah. months ago. It is Bo Nick's job to lose. It yeah. is. You can hate what you want to about. It's his job until he loses it, and all the competition is basically saying. You can actually lose it, though. Like, this is not a cemented spot that you have no chance to be supplied. You yeah. can lose this job if you don't go out here and perform. Right. But now, here's here's the question, though. If you don't go out here and perform in practice in scrimmages or in the game. That, I that's, think right that's now, it's, it is his job to lose in the game. Like, again, I, I'll restate. He has that's to a good have question, B. a disastrous practice. Like it's got to be there. There has to be nothing redeemable about the practice, right? Like there can't be. We had some good spots, and we have some things that we still need to work on. It needs to be like he can't hit the broadside of a barn. He is calling audibles that are putting us in bad positions. He throws interception. It's got to be all of that. Like it's got to look like Florida twenty nineteen, right? It's got to be horrible, or Georgia twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing that we've questioned was, is Bo just an unreal practice player? And that's where having scrimmages that go best on best kind of undresses some of that that Correct. that bravado that you can have when it's just practice. I know nobody's going to touch me, and I know nobody behind me is coming for my job. They took away those crutches, and they put him in a situation on the previous Saturday where he had to perform. People were there. People are reporting these scrimmages. I don't think we saw scrimmages um, from Gus. I don't think this many people were allowed in. Gus was notoriously secretive about that, about his scrimmages and practices. So we didn't really know right. what was going on. We had just heard. Like I, at one point, I heard that John Franklin was killing it in practice. We heard from wide receivers after the fact that they're running all types of routes. It didn't translate, but we hear it after the fact. But it's pretty wide open what's going on in practice. I think some of that is some extra pressure on both. Not only is somebody coming for your job, Everybody knows you played bad and that guy didn't. So now it's just a little more pressure on top of the the DBs that are playing lights out and picking you off. It's I I think I I don't want to say this. I think there's a situation that exists where we can go into game one 50-50. Some two people are going to get reps with the first team in the game because somebody was consistent all throughout fall camp and scrimmages and you were inconsistent. You can still be the first guy out there. But you're going to have to show consistency. And not just when you're playing a team like Akron when everything's easy. They can still give you some calls where you have to make a throw that maybe you were having trouble with in practice. So so make it. It's game time. Let's make it. If he doesn't do it, I, I want the best guy out there, man. So, I mean, Harson definitely left that two-quarterback door open, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he could have closed that door when asked. Like He was asked very pointedly, 
can you see a scenario where you play two quarterbacks? And he very pointedly said, you know, I've done it before, haven't mm-hmm. ruled it out, basically. He didn't say, he said, I, that's not what my desire is, right? Like, but he could have just emphatically been like, no, we're going to, we're, we're going to name a starter and that's going to be our guy, right? Yeah. It, if him leaving that door open leads you to believe he hasn't seen what he needed to see out of right. anybody yet. Right. Which is why Bo should be concerned. Correct. Like, again, I'll say it again. Game one, he's going to be the first quarterback that trots out there. How long he stays out there is 100% up to Bo Nix. Nobody else controls his fate. Quarter, um, the uh, offensive line does not control Bo Nix's fate, right? Like, he can have a bad game, and it have nothing to do with the offensive line. The offensive line can have a bad game, and Bo Nix still be safe. Those right. two things are separate from one another, and I need Absolutely. to separate them in your mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Wide receivers dropping passes are not on Bo Nix unless he's not throwing catchable balls, right? So it's not just about his stat line. You got to get the stat line out of your brain. You can right. play well and have a poor you can have a poor stat line and still be have done things that you were supposed to do for that game from the quarterback position. Right. You could have a great stat line and still say, this ain't it. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I mean, if you if you're completing the passes, but you're you're not the ball placement isn't is bad and guys can't make a play after the catch, then yes. So it, it, you basically took the words out of my mouth. And what I was saying with Zach Blackerby is that all the coaches are asking Bo to do is to make the best play yeah. every down. And that's something that he can control, regardless of what the O-line does, regardless of what other people do. You can make the best play. So that's that's that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this this scrimmage on Friday. Yeah. Let, let me say one more thing about this quarterback thing, too. T.J. Finley has a big say in this, right? Like, it's clear T.J. Finley has not outplayed Bo either. Right. If he had outplayed Bo, this would be a different conversation, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, Bo Nix didn't have the greatest practice. And, you know, there's a debate on whether or not he had two or three interceptions um, and again, circumstances around, inter- I, I, I need you, I, I really, and this is why you need to become a member so that when we go and we watch film, we can talk about what happens on plays. You got to get stats out of your brain. Everything is not just about what the stat sheet says. An interception, yes, it is a turnover to the defense, but there, there are different qualities of interceptions that are out there. Some of them are bad sure. throws. Some of them are bad decisions. Some of them are good plays by the defense. There's just a bunch of different, some of them are miscommunications between the quarterback and the receiver, tip passes. There's a bunch of stuff that contributes to whether a quarterback has an interception. We have to be able to categorize those things differently and start to see, is this a thing, like, does he get balls tipped a lot, right? Because that's a difference between understanding how to throw into open windows and maneuver your body and whether or not your offensive line is blocking a certain way. Does he have miscues with his receivers a lot? That's a, 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 a chemistry thing that needs to happen between the receiver and quarterback. Right. Is he throwing the, like, is the interception caused because he threw the ball behind the guy and the DB was able to make a play on the ball? Or did the DB just get a really great jump? Did he throw into a closed window? Did he throw it into coverage? There's a bunch of things that contribute to a turnover that are bes- that you won't just see looking at a statue. And you right. guys have to get that out of your brain and stop thinking, oh, he threw an interception. He had a bad practice. That's not the same thing. It's not. 
And until you start really understanding the nuances of what happens on a play, you'll always think that way. And you'll always just poo-poo on a guy because you don't really know what's happening. And so get that membership and we're going to start talking about this film, man. We can start to see some of those things in action so that we can understand what's happening. That's the segment. I'm looking more forward to that than I am bad with B-Will. Hands down. Well, B-Will, B-Will has watched film with me and it's annoying, but I, it is. It is. <laughs> it's t- y'all are going to get the fun version that's already truncated down into the important stuff. This man was rewinding the same play like five times. Like, oh, come on, man. Please, can I watch? Please. <laughs> it's going to be fun, though. Well, B, uh, we're almost at the end of the show. You wanted to talk about a, a particular individual before we got out of here. Oh, yeah. Come on. So, okay, so apparently Gatewood lost the job at Kentucky. Reports were that he was going back into the portal. You know, apparently he did. It and um, <laughs> so I, I must say, though, even though we were like watching that Florida game in 2019, like, come on, please, let's seize this guy do something. It's not that we thought for sure that Joey Gatewood was better than Bo Nix. It's that Bo Nix is not getting at this game. What's the worst that could happen if you put this other guy in the game? We lost that game with Bo Nix in the whole time. Would it have hurt to see something from from, uh, Joey Gatewood? I don't think so. However, this is the second time that he wasn't able to break through. And it's not like, listen, there is no, uh, I don't know what the quarterback who came into Kentucky this year. He's new there. I think he transferred. He's a transfer from Penn State. Okay, he's transferred from Penn State. They, uh, I mean, they are not an offensive stalwart. At, at Kentucky. That's not the type of program they have. Stoops is a defensive guy. Their defense, they're going to be great offense. They're, they're looking for somebody just to give them something. He, he's he been there since last fall when he transferred. Now, I know this was a new OC, um, and that may have something to do with it. So maybe he didn't have the leg up that he would have had if it was the same OC there. But I'm I'm a little disappointed. And even though I wanted to see Gatewood try I wanted to see him get a chance because we, our thing is we didn't see him get a chance. We didn't see John Franklin get a chance. We didn't really see Malik Willis get a chance, and some of that is on Malik. But we wanted to see these guys that we had saw recruited and and seen and heard about in practice. We, give him a shot. Give him a shot. The alternative was us looking really bad. So how bad could they be? Well, we're finding out. Joy Gatewood just might not be that good, Whoa. and. Well, here, here's the deal. I'm not mad that he got the heck out of Dodge uh, with Auburn. I'm not mad at that. What I think he missed it is transferring to Kentucky because he went from a school where they're not developing quarterbacks to a school <laughs> where they're not developing quarterbacks. That's, Eddie okay. Grant, <laughs> Ed, Eddie Grant yeah. was the co-offensive quarter, coordinator. Okay, yeah. but here's the here's what, what, the, the what was he at Auburn? Running backs coach, right? Okay, so so, so it's not like thing, he though. got it's not like he got tutoring on how to be a quarterback. And when a guy who came in who has to hit the ground running, and he has a guy who's more polished and can do what he needs him to do, is there? What you expect? All right, so here here's what I say to that: If he's gonna go somewhere, number one, you want to stay in the best conference in football, right? You just do. That I think to step down anywhere hurts your prospects. If you think that you're a next-level prospect, then you want to stay in the most competitive conference, and in the SEC was a good move for him. Also, at a school where they have been mediocre at quarterback, so you instantly have an opportunity to break through. That That's the best 
place for him where there's not a lot of competition or at least not a lot of quality competition for you. At least you didn't think. And they ran the ball with their quarterbacks a lot, which should be a strength of his. I think Kentucky made sense for him. If the OC stayed, maybe? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He seems to be a group of five guy. That that was really like Vanderbilt and Kentucky were probably his only shots to actually play somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he should have just stopped trying to be in the SEC. I think he should have just said, look, I'm going to go to – because when he transferred, he didn't even have a shot at start. Like, it, he, I don't even know that he was the number two quarterback at Kentucky for real. No. So no, it's like, wasn't. why did you even go there, bro? Like, you should have just went somewhere where you could go play, man, where you are athletically better than everybody else and get an opportunity to go, you know, go to a place like a Liberty, right? Where you could have played behind Malik Willis and they would have put you in a system where you could run a bunch. Go to go to Juco route. Go to Juco route. Get some development. A big school come calling for you. And then you can go up and actually have an opportunity to showcase you already got something on film that, hey, this guy can throw the ball, right? Like, just go the Juco route. Or is, go is somewhere what where whatever you wanted to major in. <laughs> Who's got your major, man? Sports Hell, science. Bro, like, oh, man. What what do you want to do after life of college, bro? Because that's what you need to be looking at right now. Who has the best major for me? Uh, it ain't looking good for you, bro. student <laughs> athlete. It's not looking good for your boy right now. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's on my mind. And I still can't believe he went to uh, UCF after the way. Once Gus chewed him out when he was trying to go UCF. into the game. He's not definitely at UCF yet. That's just speculation. Wait for uh, it. Wait for it. It can happen. Mm-hmm. It can, well, we'll see. We'll just see. We'll Gosh. see. Guys, thank you so much for watching live with us. Thank you for being part of the War Report community. If you believe in this community, if you love this community, help us to grow it. And you start doing that by sharing the videos, guys. Please use hashtag get your weight up. If you're out there on social media, blast this on your social so that people can get access to this content to know that we're out there. There are a lot of Auburn fans looking for great content. A lot of Auburn fans don't know we're even here. So let it be known that we're out here. Do the necessary. We appreciate that a lot. If you haven't already, please please be sure to like this video and subscribe to us if you haven't already. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The War Report. We are also TW Report on TikTok. That's it for now, guys. We will definitely see you again on the weekend tailgate. But until then, War Eagle. Are you going?